All right, ladies and gents, as promised, Game 6 Reaction Show. It's your buddy, Gavin. It's my buddy, Marky Sal. Filibuster Freestyle. Uh, I just didn't get a chance to call Marky at, at halftime. I was just blown away by the... The second half quarter was a mess. Let's just pick it up there. Marky, first of all, how are things in beautiful Worcester, Mass? Everything's fantastic. Tough one tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely tough. We we uh, we came out we played came out played great in the first quarter, beginning of the first quarter. Yep. I think the the second quarter, you know, we played like you know diarrhea garbage, <laughs> and so going into halftime, we we were definitely fortunate to be down. I think we were down ten at that point. Yeah, or ten 11. or twelve. I think twelve. Um, ten or twelve. Yeah. And and so. Fortunate to be in that position, so I thought you know we had a good chance to regroup and, and come out and take care of business in the second half. But obviously, we came up you know short. Yeah, I mean the big the big issues in the second quarter was a mess. I think the fi- I think the score differential was like thirty eight to f- sorry thirty four to eighteen in favor of the Cavs. So a huge swing. Definitely figured same thing, man. I was like LeBron played basically played twenty three of twenty four minutes. Uh, guys like Nance and George Hill were out of their minds. I figured it would kind of correct itself in the third quarter. It didn't really because the Cavs pretty much stayed hot. George Hill looked like the guy who literally was traded straight up for Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard once. Uh, and Je- Jeff Green, who's the ultimate trick-or-treat player in the history of the NBA, he was a good treat tonight. He was not a trick. Um, but let me go Let me go to the, the Kevin Love factor because the Celts were running it. And Kevin Love and the rest of the Cavs have had this weird body language thing all year anyway. And he went out when Tatum and Love hit heads, didn't come back, suspected concussion. Is this like a little bit of a Patrick Ewing theory where I know he's not the best player, but Love is gone and now the Cavs are actually better? Or you think it's just a coincidence? I think it's a coincidence. I think that um, Kevin Love, you know, if you if you take in, you know, his rebounding alone, yeah. that, that team needs that. Um, so I think I think that's just a, a coincidence that it ended up happening that way. For sure, yeah. We hate we hate seeing head injuries in general. I actually was wondering if Jason Tatum was okay there for a bit because obviously he hit his head too. And for a bit there in the second and third, he, he seemed a little bit. I don't want to say he seemed spacey, but he was just he didn't seem like himself. Um, he did come back around in the fourth, so I feel like he's all right. We will see if. Uh, if Love can play on Sunday, I'm not sure if he can or not. Uh, I do agree that on the road, especially, you're going to need his rebounding. Um, let me give you this lock of the week. Regardless of um, the result on Saturday, the Cavs will wear the same uniform they, they've been wearing because they just keep wearing that one black C logo uniform. They have like 12 uniforms, and they're not wearing white at home anymore. They're not wearing. They just wear that one uniform home or away. What do you make of that? Well, I think I think LeBron has a buddy who probably designed it, you know, and LeBron <laughs> runs the show over there, so he's like, nah, we're going to wear those, you know what I mean? Like, the, the owner was like, well, maybe, maybe we'll try the white ones this game. LeBron's like, nah, 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 we're going to wear those those black ones. With the so, hot yeah, C, I, that C is fire. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I do like those uniforms you know, better than their other ones, but it is kind of weird that they just keep wearing them. Right, because I can see if it was like they were winning with the, you know, like, like every time they wore that uniform, they were like undefeated, but they literally just wore it in Boston the other night and lost. So that ain't the case. But yeah, maybe LeBron's buddy 
Uh, I guess getting royalties every time they wear it on TV. Or maybe he doesn't want the word Cleveland across his chest because I think there's still like a 95% chance he doesn't play there. Um, potentially ever again if the Celts can pull it off at home on Sunday. We can talk about that in a bit. Uh, all right. Morris. I thought Morris struggled to score for the Celts through the third. Got it going in the fourth. And in my notes, I basically had that LeBron was masterful through three quarters. Well, fast forward to the end of the game. He went to a whole other level in the fourth. I mean, what do you think about that as a basketball fan? Well, yeah, so I, so I, I guess my thing was I do think that the Celtics came, came to, to play in the, in the second half. I thought that they figured some things out. They were actually, you know, they shot pretty well in the second yeah, half. Yeah, they did. they did. And I think if not for LeBron just going to that other level, you know, Kevin Love out, if not for LeBron going to that other level, this series would have been over. But LeBron just, you know, again, just proved that he's the best basketball player on the planet. You yeah. know, maybe ever because he he he. I don't know. I, it's just so crazy that he came down and hit the first three. Yep. Step and then back. The second dagger. three with the with the shot clock winding down. Another one. Just like knocked it down, and it's just like wow. I mean, that's just that's just you just that's game. That's a mic drop right there. That's game over. So. He just took it to another level, man, and, you know, props to him. He really did, and his role players were there. And I think by the way he was going in the final few minutes, even if the Celts had made more of their free throws, I think they missed eight of them tonight. I just think LeBron would have found a way to hit one more dagger because he just kept stepping back and hitting daggers. I mean, I actually, again, I think it was a tale of a couple different nights. I mean, uh, game four, I think the Celts just did not have a good first quarter. I think tonight they just had a really bad second quarter and otherwise even games. Um, but yeah, man, one bad quarter is going to kill you, especially when the other team is the best player on the floor by far. Uh, and then obviously Big Al had a tough night scoring. Um, Terry, Scary Terry, you called it, buddy. Scary Terry, you said we needed another 20-plus point game from him. I think he had 28 tonight. Uh, he kept him in it at many times. There's actually a fun little sequence where Morris hit a three towards the end of the third, cut it to ten. Corver hits the rebuttal three, and then Rozier hits a rebuttal three, basically at the buzzer to keep it at ten. Uh, I actually felt like they had a shot there for sure, uh, and I thought the Celts played better in the fourth, but LeBron was unreal. So then I guess we got to get into all right. Well, number one, Roscoe P called that the Cavs would fold tonight. Okay, they didn't. Uh, not your fault, Roscoe P. It just is what it is. Um, we still love you. Still love you. Not your fault. A lot of people felt like the South might be able to get it done. Um, one, you mentioned the other night when we did this after Game 5, you felt 50-50 that the South would win Game 6. Okay, so coin flip. Didn't work out. You were 90-10 on the series. What are you thinking now on the series? <clears throat> yeah, I think that, um, I think, you know, the next morning I woke up and I was like, Marky, really? 90-10? That's a little aggressive. So the next morning, that kind of changed. So uh, so I honestly, I, I, I put us at a good, like, 65-35 or even 70. I'm going to stick with 70-30. Okay. Um, I think because, you know, LeBron, again, he's the greatest player on the planet. So playing against him, um, I, I think you have to at least give him a 30% shot. I think that, you know, between... The fact that we are the better all-around team, yep. we're going to be in the garden with a younger team. Um, you know, LeBron. You know, he, he played a lot tonight, and he, he had sure to did. do a lot in order to win. 
And so if you go into a game seven, especially down Kevin Love, um, I, I just, you know, it, it would t- it's going to take another, you know, close to 50-point effort for LeBron in order to, to bring that, bring the win home. So, so you, you know, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to stick with 70-30. All right, cool. Morning, call me, and, and, and we'll see where I'm at. Yeah, no, I feel you, man. Uh, and, and what I would say is, and again, he's done it in the past, LeBron James, but you know, he's done two games in a row, three. I mean, he's definitely done. He's, it's not like I'm doubting the guy is going to be able to get ready for for Sunday, but I do agree that the miles wet, the miles add up. It's a road game. The Celts have been great at home. You know, you you. You know, as the old uh, football adage goes from Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. And the Celts got the home court advantage for this one, and they're going to need it. And I'll tell you what, to all the Boston fans listening out there, I know not a lot of Cleveland fans do listen to the filibuster freestyle from the stats I get. Uh, Y'all better bring it. You better effing bring it. Uh, Because the Cavs fans were chanting Cavs in seven at the end of the game. Uh, Let's let's see if we can't put put them down for the summer. Let me let me point this out though. If the Celts are fortunate enough to win, um, they lose no matter who they play. We play in the finals. They do not have home field, uh, home court advantage. So they're gonna have to find a way to win a road game uh, if they're lucky enough to play another series. Um, does that worry you at all? Just like hypothetically going forward, I don't want to put the cap the cart before the horse, but yeah, of, of, of course it's, it's it worries me in. And I think that you know, if if it's if it's the Golden State Warriors, yeah, you know we that's that's just tough. I don't <laughs> care home court or you Road, know if, yeah, even if we had you know home court advantage. Um, Houston Rockets, I do think that that we have a pretty good chance against them, um, just because you know they play that ISO basketball and they're really good at it. But you know, you you give me. You know, a, a team that has five pretty good defenders on it, like the Celtics. You know, some are some really good defenders, but at least pretty good yep. all across the board. Then you know, you know, you you got a good chance against against that. So I I, I give us a, a pretty good chance against the Rockets, but the Warriors. That's just you know, it's that's unfair. Yeah, I, I would I would think the Celts would need the fourth game to be at home in a seven game series at any shot against the Warriors. And what's crazy is obviously now the Warriors are down three to two, uh, but they're going back home. But Chris Paul's already out for that game, so you pretty much got a pencil in a game seven. And I'm not gonna lie, when you pull a hammy like that, especially when you're in your 30s, like we are, uh, I know he's a better athlete than us, but he also has to work a lot harder than us to uh, go to work every day. I don't know that Paul's gonna make it back in time for a game seven, regardless. What do you think about that? Yeah, I know. I think you're right. I think that. If, if he does come back for Game Seven, he's obviously not going to be 100. percent No, and um, and I think that you know the Warriors are gonna they're gonna they're gonna exploit that. They're gonna take advantage of that. So, um, you know, if I were a betting man, my money would still be on the Warriors right now. Yeah, which is nuts though, because one, Paul was like so key in them winning Game uh, Game Five, and two, he got hurt like right at the end, but like. If he's healthy, I think this thing could even end in six. And I, I think, you know, again, I, I, I liked I liked Houston's chances until he, he pulled up he pulled up limp on that. Um, all right, so I'm not, I don't want to belabor the loss too much. Listen, it'd be a lot more fun of a podcast if we 
had got a W for the Celts tonight. But let's we were going to talk earlier tonight, and then we, we didn't get a chance to. We were going to talk if we did pregame show about you had kind of a Danny Ainge, you know, theory about how good of a job he's done in, in kind of getting this team. I mean, really, the Celtics played in the finals in 2010. They had two more decent seasons in 2011 and 2012. They had, like, one bad year in, like, 12-13. And then ever since then, they pretty much have at least made the playoffs every year. So Danny basically was able to flip the whole roster, like, three times in the last six years. Um, and other teams have done it different ways. So what do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, yeah, I think there's, there's a couple things that you, need to, that you need to point out as far as Danny H is concerned. I think that, um, you know, for any GM to build – one championship contender, you know, one team, you know, they put together one championship team, yeah. you know, you can retire and say you did a great job. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. he's, he's, he's about the, he's on his, his second team. He's putting together his second championship contender. So, so number one, you have to give him props for that. Uh, number two, you know, right now, you think about, the process, right? The the seventy six right. they they purposely tanked um, to get where they were, and, and and they surprised me this year. They got really good really fast, sure and did. the process seemed to work, right? But Danny Ainge just did it better, right? He yeah. didn't tank. He continued to win. He just made smart moves. Yeah. Um, and I think that you know the the thing is, I I think that other general managers, I think they. They're kind of afraid of their of their fan base of you know what the popular choices are, mm-hmm. and sometimes they feel the pressure to you know fill seats or whatever it is. Um, but Danny Ainge just seems to like resist that urge and and kind of stay true to his plan of what he wants to see out on the court. Um, and so a perfect example of this was you know this year with the whole Markel Fultz thing. Yeah. And you know every I don't watch a lot of college basketball so so I don't I didn't really know and you know everybody you know wants Markel Fultz and I, I I didn't I wasn't sure about that. And so when when Danny Ainge traded down to number 3 and gets Tatum plus another pick and then Tatum ends up being a better player than Fultz yep. as you know so far in their career that's just a, a, a great example of, of Danny Ainge being Danny Ainge. And, and then another thing that I would point out is um, even a couple of years back, the Marcus Smart pick. Yeah. You know, when Marcus Smart was picked, you know, you're thinking, you know, he's not the greatest offensive player. He seems to be a pretty good defensive player. But is that where we want to, what we want to use the number six pick on? And I just think that it's proven so true because Marcus Smart, you know, his offense is, let's put it this way, there are people who are better offensive players yep. than Marcus Smart who, who they're not even close to the basketball player that he is. Right. Because what he, what he you know, doesn't have in offense, he makes up with, in his, first of all, his defense, um, second of all, just his effort, and, and third of all, he's a really smart player. Yeah, Savvy uh, no pun intended player. again. But but like you know, just the, the basketball plays that he makes and the decisions that he makes, uh, especially in big moments, it's just it's it's incredible. So I you know again, you have to give Danny Ainge props for that. Yeah, and you know what's interesting too is it's 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 like you know he had a long term plan. He he the best player he could get at six in terms of fit was probably smart, and he got him. 
but because he had the Brooklyn Nets picks, because he had the ability to make some trades, et cetera, et cetera, you know, he probably saw three or four years ahead versus, oh, I need the best player available, the flashiest player available, the most offensively gifted player available at six. Instead, he goes to the guy who's more of a team, you know, uh, a true player, a more well-rounded player for the team. You know, and I also look at the thing is when when Danny took over the Celtics operation, um, you know, Pierce was already there. They built around Pierce. They tried to get KG. It didn't quite work. Then they found a way to get Ray Allen, and then it finally got KG over the hump. But the Celtics, for years, they had to rely exclusively on getting lucky in the draft or trades. But with the hiring of Brad Stevens, the amazing thing has been that he's made so many guys better, even guys like uh, Thaddeus Young, who they didn't want to keep. Gave him a career year. He went to Portland, made crazy money. Uh, good for him. But players see that if you go to Boston, they're going to get the best out of you, which means whether you stay there or go somewhere else, you're going to get a ton of cash, and they're going to put you in a position to succeed. And I think finally, you know, you get a guy like Al Horford to sign a big deal. He was coveted by his team, the Hawks. He was coveted by others. That opens the floodgates a little. And then, you know, you get the luck with, with Stevens knowing Gordon Hayward so well, you get another one. And then Kyrie wants to come to Boston via trade and probably sign to stay. And then you get lucky with all these younger guys. And like you said, Danny, Danny can draft forwards like no one's business lately with, with Brown and with Tatum, obviously. So anyway, echoing what you said, but now the Celtics are, are more of a free agent destination than they've ever been in their history, which actually should scare the hell out of most teams in the league. Because until now, it was all draft, trade, and mystique. And now we can actually maybe sign some people, and that's, that's fantastic. And that's all Danny. It's all Trader Danny and Brad Stevens. Well, well I mean, like, actually, that was another point that I was going to make was the, was the whole choice of Brad Stevens. Oh, genius. This guy, you know, it just, it's not like other NBA teams were like, oh, yeah, we should, you know, you know maybe Brad Stevens. Nobody was talking about not on the radar Brad one Stevens, day. Stevens to the NBA. Nope. When... Again, I don't follow college basketball that much, but, you know, I heard of Butler, and I knew that they, you know, made it pretty far a few years before. But but when, when they said Celtics are hiring Brad Stevens to follow Doc Rivers, I was like, who? Yeah. You know? Who, Ballsy who move, they? right? And so, and so, and so, but when, when he came in, and you just see the, the program, so again, so I guess that my point is that that's just another stroke of genius by Danny Ainge, bringing that guy in. Yeah. He just saw and, something else. And you're right. So, that's you know, amazing. yeah, it was funny because Brad Stevens, a hell of a, I mean, unbelievable college coach, but all the people that had Brad Stevens on different radars were all like, oh, he's going to go to Indiana. Oh, he's going to go to Ohio State. Oh, he's going to go to whatever, Pittsburgh or Arizona. You know, name a big time college job. And, Clearly, Brad Stevens was like, no, nah, I want something bigger. And clearly, you know, Danny was the one to be like, how about you come manage uh, and work with me on the, on the most successful franchise in NBA history? Let's try that. You know, that's how you woo a genius, right? And, and the best part is, you know, the Celtics struggled his first year. And then there was some talk after the first couple playoff runs fizzled out in the first round, basically, that, oh, you know, Brad Stevens is going to go back to college. I mean, that was, I think that's just talking heads being talking heads. I feel like Brad Stevens, why would he ever go back to college when he can have all this freedom, all this support from a great front office and ownership group, work for a team with a great fan base, and then, oh, by the way, he, he's, he's 48, sorry, 24, whatever, yeah, 48 minutes away from the NBA Finals with like two out of his three best players sidelined for the season. It's, 
it's fantastic. So I guess what I'd say to the fans is win or lose, this season is, is an unequivocal success already. No questions asked. But I'm a little greedy. I want, you, to, I want to go to the finals. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, you're, you're absolutely right about that. And, and you know, uh, I couldn't be prouder of this group, right, just watching, like, these young guys playing so well. Yeah, man. And, and the other thing is when you start thinking about now, um, you know, who – because we've seen a few, you know, different Celtics teams, right? There were, like, the Larry Bird teams, and then there were the Paul Pierce teams, and now we have these teams. And this, this team is – starting to become one of my favorite Celtics teams to watch. Yeah. Um, and so that's pretty amazing. That's a good spot to be in. Yeah, what's interesting, I, I, I probably we could probably leave it with, with this, this piece of it, which is, you know, when the Celtics won in 08, and when they lost and could have won in 2010, and obviously in 09 was probably their best team and KG got hurt. But it, of all the Boston sports, and I love them all, and, you know, it, they're all different, you know, because, like, it's, with the Red Sox, there was this baggage, you know, with the Bruins. I mean, I wasn't really a hockey fan that much, but, like, to see them win it after the other three teams had won it was amazing. The Patriots, you know, they started the whole thing in terms of Boston having sports confident again after the Larry Bird era ended. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the Paul Pierce Celtics, the anything is possible KG Celtics, I mean, special place in your heart because you knew they weren't quite as good as the Lakers, but they just found a way. They weren't as talented, but they were tougher. This team doesn't have the talent because some of their best players are, again, on the shelf. But the grittiness is exactly what Boston fans, casual Boston sports fans like. So if the Celts can get over the hump, if the Celts can go to the finals, I mean, I already looked at it today. The ratings uh, for Cavs-Celtics have been through the roof compared to like the last like five years of Eastern Conference Finals. I just feel like everybody's a winner. This whole city of Boston is going to be a winner. Even if the Celts, you know, were to get losing five, I think just the fact that these guys can get finals experience, holy crap. That's all I'm saying. I don't want the ride to end. Speaking of rides ending, so are we on, are we on for game seven, man, or what? Are we going to keep this thing going? Uh, let's let's keep it going. Absolutely. If it goes into the finals, then yep. we are then we will extend it for yep. sure. But I guess yeah, this is no, a Celtics. I'm in, for, I'm in for game seven, definitely. Yeah, this is a Celtics mini series that you and I are doing here, man. And I like it. Uh, what I may do, um, I might have to come up with a crafty little name for it. I don't know what I'm going to call it yet, but uh, you know, whatever. We're gonna uh, we're gonna do this, baby. We're gonna do this, guys. Game seven. Marky's coming back. We might even do halftime for real this time because I. I won't get flustered that I haven't made dinner yet and be pissed the Celtics were down 13 points. The, the halftimes are so much quicker than <laughs> when you have to do a oh, podcast. And, and, yeah, and, and, and you don't want to watch the, the second half hangry. So. No, no, no. I was, already, I was already getting hangry. So anyway, all right, brother. Well, hey, have a good night, and uh, let's get it ready for uh, you know 48 hours from now or so when the Celtics are going to tee it up on Saturday. Sorry, Sunday. And uh, here we go. You got a prediction for tomorrow night for uh, Golden State Houston before we go? I got Golden State. It's with Chris Paul. It's Golden State. Uh, yeah. 99%. Yeah, so we're looking at that's a hot 99% from Marky Sal, everybody. Put some money down on whatever, the over, the under, whatever you got to do. Because sports betting is going to be legal, apparently. So I'm just going to let it fly. All right, philipbusterfreestyle.com. Marky Sal Wall Decor. You guys got to look up Marky Sal on Facebook, Twitter, right? You are on Twitter, Marky. 
I'm on Twitter. I have a lot the, of designs on Instagram. There's a new one coming for this Celtics team. Working on it tonight. Dude, Mar- by the way, everybody, Marky does unbelievable work with graphic design. There's so many sports-related things, entertainment-related things. Hell, you do Disney. You do landscape stuff. It's good stuff. So everybody, check them out. Is, is Instagram also Marky Sal Waldecor? What is it? Yep, Marky, Marky Sal underscore Waldecor. All right, everybody, check that out. Marky, talk to you Sunday. Everybody else, lick the wounds. We'll see you for Game 7 on the Freestyle.